0: Heavenly Father, you are the one who gives us life this morning as we come to you. And so, Lord, we ask that you would send your spirit to us now to quicken our hearts, to enliven us, to love you more as a result of studying your word together. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We continue our series this morning in the book of 1 Samuel, and this is a book that has been very dear to us as we learn about the rise of the Davidic kingship. So the book of 1 Samuel really comes at a time that is pivotal in the life of Israel. The Israelites came out of the land of Egypt under... Uh, under Moses. They came out from slavery under Pharaoh and they came with Moses to the promised land. They did not enter into the promised land until uh, Joshua led them in. And then they've lived in the promised land for a number of years now and they have come to the Lord asking to have a king like other nations. And so God gave them a king, the king Saul, but Saul has proven to be someone who breaks God's laws, who does not follow after the Lord with his whole heart and so now we're seeing the rise of David. David has been chosen by God to be the second king of Israel and we've seen that Saul is all too aware of this and is trying to eradicate David because David is becoming more and more successful in the eyes of the Israelites And so he fears for his throne and also for the throne of his son. And so last time we looked at 1 Samuel together, we saw the different murderous attempts that Saul makes upon the life of David. In chapter 19, we saw again and again that Saul was trying to kill David. But again and again, the Lord stopped him. Uh, The Lord prevented him from taking out his murderous action. And so David continues to flee from Saul into chapter 20. And here we see that he is very much afraid that he will be put to death by Saul at some point in the near future. He says that there's only a step between him and death. It is very close. If the king and all his army are out for you, uh, then you don't stand much of a chance. And he expresses this fear to none other than Jonathan. And who is Jonathan? Jonathan is the king's son. King Saul is on the throne. The next in line for the throne is Jonathan. And so if there was one person you wouldn't be sharing this kind of information with, that you were scared and actually going up into the presence of, you would think that it would be the prince of the king of Israel, that this person would be someone you do not trust. But David does trust this man. Why does David trust Jonathan? Why does he share his fears with the person that you think would be least likely, the person that he would share such fears with? Well, it's because David and Jonathan have made a covenant of friendship. We see this back in chapter 18. Turn with me back a page, chapter 18. Just after David has defeated Goliath, we see uh, in verse 3... Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. And remember what he does in verse 4. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. So we see that there's this covenant promise that has been made between David and Jonathan. And this is the reason why David trusts Jonathan because they've made this promise to look out for one another a covenant of friendship a covenant of love and it's given to us in chapter 20 as well uh, that he uh, that david uh, tells jonathan in chapter 20 verse 8 if we look there we see after he's spoken about how he's going to die at the hand of uh, jonathan's father we see in verse 8 as for you Jonathan, show kindness to your servant, to David, for you have brought him, why, why should he show kindness? You have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. He depends upon this covenant for security as he goes to Jonathan to speak about the murderous intent of the king. Now, how solemn is this promise? Why would David depend upon it so much? It's a kind of promise that you make and maybe you've got your fingers crossed behind your back and so it's not that solemn and so you could, it's a bit of a shaky promise, the person may renege at some point. No, it's a solemn promise. It's reiterated again and again that this is a solemn promise that's made. How do we know? Well, in verse 8 we read, As for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. Before the Lord, they made this vow that they would look out for one another's souls. And this is brought up in verse 42 as well. Turn with me over the page. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 42. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. This friendship, this promise, this covenant that they have made between one another is a solemn vow. And it's before the Lord. They've called upon the Lord to be witness. And so, of course, therefore, David is sure that he can go to Jonathan and speak about his fears and ask him for help. And that is the type of covenant that they made with one another, a covenant of love that they will help one another. Again and again, we see that love is mentioned in this promise with each other. If you look back with me, chapter 18, verse 3, it says, And Jonathan then made a covenant with David. Why? Because he loved him as himself. And then in chapter 20 verse 8 where we see the covenant mentioned again it says, as for you show kindness you could translate that word as loving kindness to your servant for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. Love is mentioned there and then down in verse 14 where this covenant is brought up again it says in verse 14 but show me unfailing or loving kindness like that of the Lord as long as I live so that I may not be killed and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family this promise that they made with one another is not simply some sort of business contract where they're feeling obligated to do certain things for one another no it's a covenant of love a covenant of friendship with one another and it's a serious love that they're vowing to uphold between one another It's the love of the Lord. The word that is often used of God's love is used here again and again to describe that love, that loving kindness that God shows. That kind of love is to be expressed between them as well. And even it is spelt out that it's the love of the Lord that they will show to one another. Verse 14, it says, "'But show me unfailing kindness like that of the Lord.'" The Lord's kindness is the standard by which they will uphold for one another, that they will show to one another.'" And another way that it's expressed, this love for one another, how dear that love will be, is by the way that it is love, as they have love for one another. We see that back in chapter 18, verse 3, uh, where it says that he loved David as himself. And then in verse 17 of chapter 20, it says in verse 17 of chapter 20, and Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him. Why? Because he loved him as he loved himself. We're all very good at loving ourselves. We're not very good at loving others as ourselves. But this is the standard by which David and Jonathan are wanting to show love to one another. And it's a love that is meant to last. It's not some sort of covenant, some sort of promise, contract that they're bringing with one another for a certain amount of time and then it will stop. No, the length of this covenant is one as long as they live. And we see that in verse 14. Jonathan says, but show me... Unfailing kindness like that of the Lord as long as I live so that I may not be killed. It is a lifetime promise that they're entering into with one another. Most contracts that you make with people in, in our society today, they have a term limit of some sort. It's not going to go on and on and on. But here we see that they are covenanting to love one another as themselves, as the Lord loves for the rest of their lives. Now why are such loving friendships valuable to Jonathan and David? Why do we hear so much about this contract here? Why is it so valuable? Well it's because the world is a dangerous place and David and Jonathan knew that. David's very much aware of how dangerous the world is. He's very much aware that the king is trying to take his life and so what does he trust in? He trusts in many things, but he trusts in the covenant that he's made with Jonathan, this covenant of friendship. He finds there a love that will support him and help him with his great fear of being murdered by the king. And Jonathan also recognizes that there's a dangerous world, and he wants David to make a covenant of love with him as well. It's interesting how reciprocal this covenant is between the two parties. You think, Jonathan, he's got nothing to fear. His dad is king. But no, he does have fears of his own. What is his fear? His fear is that one day David will be king and David will exterminate the house of Saul. We see that fear in verse 14, where he's speaking to David. Jonathan says, But show me unfailing kindness like that of the Lord as long as I live, so that I may not be killed and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family not even when the lord has cut off every one of david's enemies from the face of the earth jonathan's very much aware that god is with david i mean he's seen his military success and one day the lord will cut off all the enemies of david from the earth and what does that mean for jonathan if he is the prince of the current king it means that he may be put to death in the future What happens whenever there's a change in government? To the staff in Canberra. A lot of them are fired. If the Labor Party is in power, we have a Labor Prime Minister, and then the Liberals get in, all those Labor staffers, out the door. And in the past, what would happen? Heads would literally roll. As there was a change in monarchy, as one family takes over the throne, what happens? The head of a previous king, if it's still on his shoulders, is cut off. And all the princes, chung, 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 they cut them all off. If you don't believe me, read some ancient history. Read the book of Kings, one kings, two kings, and you see it happening again and again. What happens when you take over? You quickly eliminate all opposition, which means all those princes, all their heads go. And Jonathan's aware of that. They wanted a king like other nations. God's giving them a king like other nations. What might might that mean? The death of all Jonathan's sons. So what's Jonathan wanting to do? Make a covenant of love with the future king of Israel. He's aware that the world is a hostile place, and so he wants a covenant of friendship with the future king of Israel. So this covenant, this promise of friendship, is very valuable to both Jonathan and David. And we still today value such friendships. We value such friendships. Why? Because we recognise that the world is a hostile place as well. People are out to take advantage of us. They may not put you to death, but they certainly want to take advantage of you. Satan is out for you as well. He wants to harm you and hurt you. And if you become conscious of what the Bible says about the human race and about us in our sin, you start to realise that God is out for you too that God is going to punish you one day. He is out for your death and to punish you for eternity in hell for your rebellion against him, for all the ways that you've broken his laws. And so we too today, we want a friend. We want someone who can be there for us as Jonathan was for David and as David was for Jonathan. We crave someone who will keep us safe. And we recognise this in the friends that we have in this world. Friendships, can lead people to great action. We see this again and again. This week I was on the internet and you see uh, the, uh, I googled up about uh, great acts of friendship and one of the things that popped up, and then I followed that trail down and started googling more, is about giving kidneys to a friend. And there were so many accounts of people who were willing to give one of their kidneys for a friend. That's a great act of love that a friend does for someone. Not for any financial gain or some sort of reward for themselves, but out of pure love for that friend. They prevent that friend from dying by donating a kidney. Or some people, we want this, we, we crave such friendships where we want it to go on and on for the rest of our lives. That so there's an enduring friendship where people love someone, even after they have died, that there's a friendship shown to that person's family. I had, uh, I've got an aunt and an uncle, and I had another uncle who on my mother's side who actually passed away uh, when he was a teenager from brain cancer. So I never met this uncle. I only know uh, about him through uh, what my mum pretty much tells me. And uh, he sounds like a lovely guy. I would have liked to have known him, but he only got to late teenage years. And he had a friend at school. And that friend, after he passed away, after my uncle Alistair passed away, he visited my grandmother and grandfather, for decades, every Christmas Eve. Every Christmas Eve, this friend, he would come round and see my grandparents, for decades after his friend had passed away. Friendships lead people to do extraordinary things. For long periods of time, even after a friend has gone, they're still wanting to show love to that person's family. And so we crave such friendship. We crave people to do great actions for us, to keep us safe, and for an enduring friendship that goes on and on. But how do we find such a friend? How do we find a friend who solemnly vows before God to love us for life with the love of God and to love us as they love themselves? Well, it's not easy. Davids and Jonathans are rare. And even those that we think are our friends can turn against us. Psalm 41 verse 9 says, Even my close friend, whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. And we've seen it happen again and again. Someone who is meant to be a firm friend has lifted up their heel against their friend. And can we find a friend who will deal with God's death warrant? Yes, we might find a friend who can give us a kidney. We might find a friend who can save us from someone that's trying to hurt us. But can we find a friend who is willing and able to help us with the judgment that is to come upon us because of our sin? Yes, there is such a friend. Who is that friend? It's God himself. God himself. God himself is willing to become our friend. How do we know this? Well, the Bible tells us again and again that God has always been friends with his people in James chapter 2 verse 23 we read before it says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend Abraham was called God's friend and Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 15 I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business instead I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, you are my friends. An extraordinary truth, which I think we can overlook so easily, that God himself would call a sinful human being his friend. But is such a friendship from Jesus very firm? If Jesus is offering to be our friend, is it such a firm friendship? Yes, it's a covenantal friendship. It's not one of those friendships that's kind of you, you gradually work together and you think, oh, yes, that person's my friend, but you never actually articulate it with the person. And there's no solemn promise before God, I'm going to be your friend for life. There's no blood pact in some way where you both prick your fingers and put them together in some way, which is probably not the wisest thing to do these days as we know more about transmission of blood-borne diseases. But... We rarely get anyone who's willing to do that with us, let alone even maybe just say, I'm your friend, or I take a promise that I will look out for you for the rest of my life. But God does. He vows. He makes a covenant with his people, a covenant of grace, that he will be our friend we read in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, When God made his promise to Abraham, and remember he called Abraham his friend, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. An end to all argument. He is my friend. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God swore upon himself. Why did he swear upon himself? Hebrews 6 tells us. Because there's nothing greater for him to swear upon. That's what David and Jonathan knew. That's why they swore before the Lord. The Lord swore on himself. I will bless you and your descendants. And that includes all those who are God's people. Our covenant Friendship with God is a firm covenant. It's a solemn covenant that he has made. But what sort of love does Jesus show to his friends? What sort of love has he promised to show his friends? What's the love of God? He is God himself. He shows that love that we see again and again displayed to God's people in the Old Testament. And he loves as he loves himself. We saw that with David and Jonathan. Their love was one as they loved themselves. And that's what the Lord Jesus does for us. How great is his love? How far will he go in showing out his love for us? Will he give us a kidney? No, I'll give you far more than that. Jesus gives his whole life. That's what he was doing at the cross for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. How do we know that Jesus' love is great? Because he laid down his life for his friends. At the cross, he was taking the penalty that his his friends deserve. Who do they deserve it from? His father. See, Saul, he was out for David's life. Jonathan was willing to do great acts to save David's life. He came up with this elaborate scheme that we read in chapter 20, which is all very interesting, to try and communicate to David what's happening. But he even almost got speared to the wall by his father out of his love for David. Jesus did get speared to the wall. He got speared to the cross for his friends so that we would be forgiven and so that the penalty that we deserve for our sins, rightly so, Is poured out upon him. He experienced eternal death for us, for those who are his friends. We know people who will lay down their life for their friends, a physical life in this world, but that's it. Jesus took eternal death for us if we are his friends. His love is indeed the love of God. It's an amazing love. But how long will Jesus be someone's friend? Well, as long as he lives. Like Jonathan and David, they were promising to be friends as long as they lived. And how long does Jesus live? He lives forever. He lives forever. So, of course, he will be our friend forever. He promises, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, which means you will never be separated from your friend. We see in chapter 20 there, verse 41 and 42, this terrible scene for Jonathan and David as they realise that they have to part. And so they mourn and they they weep it says that David wept the most there at the end of verse 41 they're very sad that doesn't have to happen to Jesus friends never will I leave you never will I forsake you the father has no way of breaking up the friendship because the father is satisfied with the death of the son and so that means that the Christian in a nursing home getting very few visitors can't move from the bed they're not lonely. They still have a friend with them all day, every day. Someone is with them, the Lord Jesus Christ. So do you feel alone? Do you feel that no one truly understands you and your worries? You may have earthly friends, but do you feel that there are problems that they cannot solve? Are you concerned about sin and death and judgment to come? And you don't know who to go to. You don't know what friend to turn to. Children and teenagers, this goes for you too. Do you feel that you need a friend, someone who will always be there for you and always be able to help in every situation? Then become friends with Jesus. Jesus helps his friends with all their problems, all their problems, including the death and the judgment that we deserve. He helps us with that problem and every other problem. The very best of friendships in this world are a pale reflection of the great friendship that we can have in the Lord Jesus Christ, who consistently loves his people forever with the love of God. Become friends with Jesus if you are lonely and worried and fearful become friends with jesus now you may ask how do i become a friend of god how do i become a friend of jesus how do i have a friend for life well how do we know anyone has promised to be your friend how do we become friends with anyone well you hear them say that they will be your friend and then what do you do you accept their friendship and it's the same with the lord jesus you need to first hear him make that promise that he will be your friend. You need to hear promises like Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You need to hear that. The Lord Jesus making that promise. I will give you rest if you will come to me. And then what must you do? You must accept it. You must believe it's true. Just like if a friend says, I promise to be your friend, you still need to believe that your friend is genuine in that promise and accept the promise that they make. And that's what we need to do as well. And that's what's promised to us in Scripture. In James chapter 2.23, which we read before, it says, And Scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. He was called God's friend. Why? Because he believed in God. You can't be the friend of the Lord Jesus if you haven't trusted in him, if you haven't believed in him. But if you do, he immediately starts keeping you safe. He immediately starts keeping you safe. If you accept that promise, you believe that he is your friend, then immediately he starts keeping you safe. Immediately he removes the sin and the judgment that you deserve from his Father. The, the wrath of God that you deserve for your sin is removed. But that's the only the beginning of the friendship that we have with Jesus. Remember, Christ promises to be our friend always, and so love us always. Jonathan and David didn't help each other once and that was it. There was an ongoing love between them and they do meet again in 1 Samuel. We have at least one record of them meeting again and there was an ongoing love that David showed to to Jonathan and his family for the rest of his life. It's a great example of this is the way that he treated Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel. The son, the lame son of Saul, He fed him from his own table and looked after him out of love for his father, Jonathan. Jesus continues to help us, not just with sin and death and judgment that we deserve. He continues to help us every day with every problem. And so what do we do? We should keep trusting in him and asking him for help going to him for help how do we go to jesus for help how do we go to our friend for help with our problems well firstly we go to his word we go to his word for advice friends of christ love to hear his advice on every problem they go to him and say what do you have to say about this issue jesus you're a great and wise friend tell me how i deal with this problem and he tells us how else do we go to jesus for help well we go to him in prayer We go to Jesus in prayer. It's a wonderful privilege that we can go to Jesus in prayer and ask Him for His help. And so often we, as Christians, neglect this great privilege. This is what is advised to us in Scrivens' hymn, which we're going to—I'm going to read. We're not going to sing, sadly, at the end uh, after I preach. But open—you've all got a bulletin there. Open it up now to the third page where we see this wonderful hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And what does Scriven advise us to do? He says, verse 1, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? Why? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So many of our problems, if we just went to Jesus in prayer, they would evaporate because of his friendship. Verse 2, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord. Take it to your friend in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Saviour, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Jesus is our friend and we can go to him in prayer with every problem. And he is there for us with the love of God. A love that he shows himself. He gave his his whole life for us. How will he not help us with every problem that we have if we go to him in prayer? So we go to him in his word, we go to him in prayer. How else do we go to Jesus, our friend? Well, we go to his body for help. Where's his body? It's the local church. It's the church. Jesus is still here on earth, in his body, the church. He says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. Why is that important for us to know? Well, Christ's body is commanded to care for one another. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, we read, Therefore, as, this is a command from the Apostle Paul, to God's people, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. God's people have a special responsibility to look out for each other as God's body, as Christ's body here on earth. They're meant to look out for each other. Why is local church membership so important? Well, you can scrounge some help from other Christians around the edges. You may be able to pick up some bits and pieces and and convey to someone that you're a Christian and they're a Christian and, and can they please help you in whatever situation. But when we join a local church, we gain the promise of many friends in Christ to help us. Today we're actually releasing our new prayer directory. So some of you should have received this as you came in. Uh, Sam was handing them out and marking your names off. And in there you have a photo of every member of the church, those who have committed themselves to Jim Baptist Church and their contact details. Now why are we giving out this prayer directory? Well, there's a number of reasons and I think you get it from the, the title of it. It's a prayer directory. You're meant to be praying for one another. But in here, this is so precious to you because in here you have... Those people who have promised to help you as Christ works in his people on earth. These are the people that you can go to with your problems. You go to Jesus, you ask him advice from his word, you go to Jesus in prayer, but you also go to his people who are put there to help you. That's why I love being a member of a local church because I realise that this world is a dangerous place and I need help. And one of the instruments by which God helps me is his local church. Those people who have covenanted, really, to be there for me. And so I can go to them and ask for help. I can ask them for help in whatever problem I am facing. So do you know the joy of being Christ's friend? Having Jesus swear to love you forever? Do you know that joy? Or are you still trying to gain security from other friendships? When are you going to realise that no friendship in this world is going to provide at least the eternal safety that you need from God and his wrath for your sin? That it's only Jesus who can provide that safety? And if you are a friend of Jesus, if you are a friend of Jesus, do you show that friendship by the way that you live? Do you know your weakness and your need for a friend still, not just for one to save you from death and judgement, but from every problem that you face in this world? Do you show it by going to him in his word, by going to him in prayer? Do you show it by going to his local church, wherever you are? Do you have people that have your back and you know they have your back because they have covenanted to you in friendship at the local church and you have covenanted to them? Or do you carry burdens needlessly because you're too proud to admit you need help, you need a friend? I'm okay, I don't need any friends, I'm independent. Well, keep on living and God may show you how much you need a friend, how much you need someone to help you. And particularly as you look at judgment to come, David wasn't too proud to ask Jonathan for help. And Jonathan wasn't too proud to ask David for help. Are you too proud to ask your friend Jesus for help with every problem that you face? Let's come to him in prayer now. Let's speak with him. Lord Jesus, we pray to you and praise you as a powerful and loving friend. We thank you for that offer of friendship that you've made in your word and for all the love you have shown to us who have accepted it by faith, including the bearing of sin on your shoulders at the tree so many years ago. Oh Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for not treating you as a friend, for not seeking your help in your word, in prayer and in your body of the church. Help us to know our weaknesses better. And so draw close to you for the help of a friend that we need. And Lord, we ask that if anyone here this morning is not a friend of the Lord Jesus, oh Lord, we pray that you would grant them faith now to accept your offer of friendship. And so they may know the joy it is to be friends with God. And we pray this in your name. Amen.